0: Welcome to the Impact Podcast by Youthtopia. Join me in meeting the youth of Singapore who are making a positive impact to the world around them. Our guest for today is Hylin. Hylin is the Executive Director of Zero Waste SG, which is a non-profit organisation that drives the zero waste movement forward through education and advocacy. So Haileen's quite the expert on... Sustainability and all things eco friendly. Notably, she has won the Eco Friend Award by NEA in twenty nineteen for her efforts in sustainable living. So, what we're gonna do today is to have a conversation with Hailin on how to be more sustainable in our everyday living. So, hi Hylin, could you just give us a brief introduction of yourself?
1: Hi everyone, uh, thanks for having me here today. So, my name is Hylin and as Nicole has already introduced, I'm from Zero Waste Singapore. And yes, we do education and advocacy with regards to waste issue and we specialise in Singapore localised content. Uh, and we focus on four key areas of waste in particular. So, there is food waste, plastic
0: disposables, household recycling as well as organisational waste. Cool. I'm curious to know, how long have you been involved with Zero Waste and this whole sustainability journey? Mm. So a little bit
1: um, of history Mm. for um, Zero Waste Singapore. Our founder Eugene, he started our website in 2008, Mm. but he officially set up the organisation proper in 2015. Um, For myself, I joined the organisation in 2017, so it's been about more than three years. Yes.
0: And your own sustainability journey,
1: like how did you start? So why why waste? I guess that was when I was pursuing my further studies and then we were asked to sort of choose a topic, okay, in which we wanna do more research on, and I and I thought that the idea of public engagement with regards to waste management is something that um has not really been addressed uh well in singapore i think a couple years back it was something that i got really interested in and it so happened that you you know if i want to find something that is relevant with regards to that is really quite rare in Mm. singapore but i guess it's quite serendipitous but yeah somehow i stumbled upon eugene you know asking to hire someone that was how i decided okay you know what it's now or never
0: Cool. I think you are exactly right when you said that sustainability is a really broad topic. So I I do want to get your help in kind of breaking that down. So I think sustainability is a hot topic these days, right? A lot of people are coming up talking about sustainability. I'm wondering if you could tell me what is so important about it and why is it being talked about so much now?
1: Sure. So, you know, sometimes when we think about what we what we are interested in or who we care about. It depends on, you know, whether it's sports, it's animals, wellness, fashion, finance, engineering, whatever it is, and who we care about, you know, like our other halves, our family, our friends, or ourselves, definitely. We don't realise that, oh, actually climate change um, affects everything and everyone. So the idea is at the end of the day, why it is so important is it doesn't matter what our interests are, or who we want to care for, whether it is the vulnerable, elderly, youth. Climate change affects everyone. And the United Nations, um, they have um, sort of set out certain targets in Mm. which globally countries should arrive at, at a certain time, if we want to keep the global warming temperatures to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And it means that I think the biggest target that we should meet is that we need to hit net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Mm. So there is great urgency for countries to move forward in um, different ways.
0: A mm. couple of things to unpack there and you could help me with this. Firstly, I think, why 1.5 degrees and what does net zero carbon waste mean? Is it the same as zero waste, for instance? Mm, so
1: uh, why 1.5 degrees, right? 1.5 degrees, I wouldn't say that there are no effects. You know, like things will be fine and dandy when global temperatures increase by 1.5 degrees. If global temperatures increase by 1.5 degrees, about 70% of the coral reefs globally will actually die off. But if it's by 2 degrees, 99% of the coral reefs will die off. Mm. Yeah, because the water temperatures or the conditions will not be ideal for coral reefs to survive anymore and coral reefs are the basis of the marine ecosystem. Mm. So, even though we think that, oh, it's just by 0.5 or whatever it is, but it actually makes a very huge difference in terms of our weather patterns and how it affects mm. our systems. Yeah, mm. the, the natural systems and how it survives. Mm. Yes. And the other question on the difference between net zero carbon emissions. So, what does net zero carbon emission mean? Net zero carbon emissions doesn't mean that we don't do anything mm. to produce anything because yep. we still need to eat. We still need the basic needs of survival. So, net zero carbon emissions means that it, whenever we produce something, we reduce the amount of carbon emissions wherever possible first. Where we cannot reduce... We can offset it by either planting more trees, by restoring natural ecosystems elsewhere, or through technologies like carbon capture storage. Yeah, so these are the various ways in which we can achieve net zero. But just to quickly share: net zero carbon emissions, it is different. It's a different concept from zero waste, because zero waste means that we don't create waste at all or hmm. it is very minimised or kept within a loop whereby materials are continually reused. So that is actually more difficult than achieving yep. uh, net zero carbon emissions.
0: Because yep, I'm thinking about it like now in front of me there is a disposable cup. I'm <laughs> looking away in shame. <laughs> no, but I, I thank you for that. I think it's interesting and from my understanding, it seems as if the 1.5 degree uh, by 2050 guidelines set by the UN um, seems more like a target to help us mitigate some of the effects of climate change, right? In mm. a more in a in a way that doesn't immediately require us to give up all our lifestyles. Am I, am I right? Uh
1: in a way, yes. I guess it's not completely giving up, but we definitely need to make changes. Or we need to recognize that there are trade-offs. Yeah. So when we want to enjoy certain things or do certain things, there might be a trade-off somewhere else. Like when we buy something cheap, is that the actual cost of the product? Mm. Yeah. And who is who is sacrificing or who or what is being traded off for us to enjoy this product at this price, for example. Mm. Yeah. So those are the things that we have to think about. And if we want to bear the responsibility of all the externalities, that product will not be at that price. Yep. Yeah, so those are the things that uh we would likely need to consider.
0: Mm. I wanted to ask a follow-up when you mentioned about the, the 1.5 degrees resulting in a 75%... About 70% of coral reefs... Dying, uh, right? Yeah. I, I'm interested to know because I think for us, we are a small country in Singapore and I think that a lot of us grew up away from, like, nature. And I think with regards to the impacts of climate change, besides, you know, Singapore getting hotter, we don't see a lot of it, right? We don't see, like, the ice caps melting, the polar bears getting stranded, for instance. We see all of this on TV. So I'm wondering, how are we affected in that sense? And why should we... What can we do, I guess, in our own small capacity that might affect change on a global kind of scale? Because I think, if you were to ask me now very honestly it's, it's very difficult to say like okay I'll off my aircon more or like I, I, I use my bottle more and then I'm contributing the climate change the effects cannot be literally seen right so to that what do you have to say
2: mm. Mm.
1: maybe I can provide a couple of examples of how it is apparent mm. or how the effects are already seen so I mean besides erratic weather because recently sometimes it's like really quite chilly and then suddenly it gets really it's hot. hot these days yeah so and but previously you know
0: the temperatures will
1: go down. Yeah, correct. So there are more drastic changes in our weather and it becomes more erratic. Mm. So these are actually effects of changing weather, changing patterns. And you know when there are drastic changes, hot and cold, right? People fall sick more often. Mm. The potential of people falling sick more often is higher. And so maybe we need to spend more money on medical bills. Mm. So it will affect us directly. Mm. The other thing is that in the recent years there has been a very huge increase in the number of dengue cases in Singapore. Mm. Yeah, so surpassing I think predictions of I think sixteen thousand like last year or this year or something like that. Yeah, so it is not immediate. Like there, I don't think there is an immediate proven correlation of dengue to climate change. But the idea is that you know mosquitoes breed. In, in warm Harlem weather. Yeah. yeah, warm weather. So when the weather pattern changes in such a way that, you know, results in all these pathogens or, you know, uh bacteria or, you know, all these like disease carrying animals or insects to breed more easily, it will affect more people as well. Mm. And that is where the medical bills increase. Mm. And the other example would be in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, there was uh, you know, with erratic weather patterns, it also means that there would be more unstable crop yields um, in our neighbouring countries or, you know, wherever we import our food from. Mm. So, there was this incident whereby, um, you know, India was, uh, India is one of the biggest producers of onions. Mm-hmm. And I think in the recent years, I think due to a huge flood, huge storm event, it really killed most of the harvest and it really drove up the prices of onions globally. And the onions in Singapore, the prices of onions in Singapore increase like three to six fold. Mm. So it affects the cost of our food as well. Mm. And yeah, so all these contribute to a higher cost of living or maybe compromise um, standard of living for different groups of people. We might not immediately link it to climate change or polar bears. But the effects manifest itself in various ways. Um, and it definitely will affect us. Mm. Affect us.
0: Mm. I'm wondering if you can list down or take me through what the chain reaction is if ninety-nine percent of the coral reefs were to die in like a couple of years, how would we directly be impacted? So
1: uh, with regards to the dying coral reefs, right because they are a very important foundation for the marine ecosystem. why They provide homes, uh, shelter as well as food sources for many of the smaller fishes, especially who need to hide from you know different species of mm. yeah their predators. So with coral reefs dying it means that a lot of these nutrients as uh, like uh, like a source of shelter will be gone and this will affect. The entire food chain mm. of the marine ecosystem, and whenever um, a certain part of the food chain is affected, you know we learn in primary school science, right? Yeah, it means that it will definitely affect like certain species of fishes and all that, and it will definitely affect the yield of our food. Yeah, so that's why fishermen around the world actually they are already finding it more and more difficult to um um get the same amount of yield with the same amount of time span and effort. For example, they need to go further out to sea or the size of the fishes are getting smaller. Yeah, but if there is no fishery management or no sustainable uh, fishing management practices, you know, people are fishing way faster than the fishers themselves can go. This will mean a huge decrease in uh, food source, food supply, and also livelihoods that are affected, and so uh don't be surprised if the cost of fish or like certain species of fish um disappearing um in the next few years yeah and that is how it will directly affect us.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean from what you've shared, it feels as if sustainability affects every aspect of our lives, and climate change has more or less an impact on every aspect of. Our lives right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Sounds very scary. <laughs> which is good. I think it's a good segue into um my next question in I think sustainability is a hot topic. We we all know this now, which is great, right? But I think to be very frank, I don't know a lot about what it really means to be sustainable or what sustainable living looks like. I'm wondering I'm wondering if you can spell that out for me.
1: Maybe you can share what you think it means to you.
0: Mm. Okay, I think um, what is trendy now, maybe what people are what what's a hot topic now is that people be like, oh uh don't use so much plastic, avoid single-use plastic, um tap out your lunch in a bring your own container, for instance, metal straws, uh cut down eating meat for instance, adopt a vegetarian lifestyle. Uh besides that, maybe walk more, take the bicycle more, don't travel in cars so often. Don't travel in planes so often, right? It feels, yeah, I think these are some of the things that I immediately associate with sustainable living.
1: Mm. I think it's a great start. Like it covers, (laughs) yes, really, really. It covers like quite a few aspects, Um, especially the major aspects with regards to maybe transport as well as. diet mm. yeah in terms of personal lifestyle um of course there are areas uh, maybe in terms of energy usage you know we have like so many electronic products nowadays yeah and, oh, and
0: everybody's relying on aircon. yes mm. so
1: energy is one and uh there is that um whole consumption the idea of consumption excessive consumption mm. consuming is something that everybody needs to do yep. but where does it cross the line to being excessive like mm. do we really need? so many pieces of clothing for example yeah do we need so many pairs of shoes or like do we need so many electronic products for example so uh, and also the idea of uh, thinking about okay where and how are are our products being made yeah because not products not all all products are not all products are made equal yeah in terms of the footprint um, as well as uh, in terms of carbon footprint in general Mm. Yeah. So those are some other um, aspects of sustainability in which we can consider as well.
0: Mm. So essentially, you're saying to consider consumption
1: uh, as a whole. Yes. Okay, so um, maybe this is where I can also bring in the idea of being mindful, Mm, mm. you know. Um, Mindfulness is a very broad concept, right? We can be mindful of our actions, Mm. uh, mindful of the way we speak. So, being mindful of the way we use resources falls under the same umbrella. Yeah, so the idea of being aware... Because sometimes once you notice things, you cannot unsee Like for example, the paper cup in front of you, right? Yeah. So, I so, do not see. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that is where um, then it is once you're engaged and you notice something, the next step would be, okay, how do you want to address it? Or how do you want to interact with the thing that you notice? Yeah. Or or, or how do you feel about it? So, um, sustainability is definitely a journey, I myself am far from perfect. So, it is about that whole mindfulness that keeps you on track. Yeah, to become better in that sense. Mm.
0: Okay. So, I mean, it's interesting because there are many aspects, right? Like, mm. like, we were talking about just now, the single plastics, walking. But I think, to be practical about it, for instance, like, walking from place to place in Singapore is really, it's not challenging, but you know, sometimes it's just so hot and you're like, I could just take a grab from here to here in aircon and I'll be a lot more comfortable. I'm wondering if, if you have any advice with regards to figuring out what kind of changes I can make that would suit my lifestyle that would not involve me having to go out of my way mm. you know to make these kind of changes. Mm.
1: Yeah. Sometimes there is that struggle between being so-called more time efficient and um, you know what the better choice is like within this scope of freedom that you have you mm. know whether it is with regards to prioritizing your choices or like um what you have to do for the day. So I myself I took a grab here because I came from another appointment. Yeah. But um there are different concessions uh one can make. So for example, um I take a grab, uh, but I don't own a car. Mm. Right? Uh I can consider so grab is a form of ride, right, uh okay, you can't say right chair, but it is a one form of transport and if I'm able to, I can take a bus, I can take a train. So there are various options. The idea at the end of the day is that it is not all or nothing. I think that's something mm. that is really important. We don't have to be perfect to do something. Yeah, because it is very difficult to be perfect. Being perfect, what does it mean? Does it mean we live off the grid? Mm. We build our own house. We f- we fish for our own food, mm. you know. We forage for our own vegetables, Yeah, like how far do we want or have to go? So it is always a journey and uh, we must always remember that it is not all or nothing. Mm. But at the end of the day, we have to do something. And doing something is always better than not doing anything at all. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So we don't have to beat ourselves up. So when I'm able to take the bus, I will take the bus. Mm. If If I don't need a car, I don't have to buy one. If I need to drive maybe I can use BlueSG. So there are options out there in which we can explore to substitute,
0: yeah. Mm. I, I, I'm wondering if you have any... Do you have any like lifestyle tips? So I feel like these are all very good options that we can consider. But you know, when it comes to make, like actually implementing these changes, right, it can be quite challenging. So I'm wondering, do you have any advice to somebody who maybe is like, okay, I'm ready to start my sustainability journey, but I don't know where to start because I have mm. an overwhelming amount of choices, right? So how, how would you advise them?
1: I think you can start with where you're most comfortable with. Mm. Yeah, it can be anything. So, if if you like vegetables, right, it's a bonus. Mm. You can just eat more. That's me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So um, so sometimes, like for example, if you choose to get uh, food delivery, which comes in disposables, right, you can choose to opt for a vegetarian option. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, the footprint of eating meat is actually higher than using disposables. Yeah. Oh, so, I know that. Interesting. Yes. Um, and of course, not all meat has equal footprint. So of course, substituting different types of meat matters as well. So for example, if you really love meat, you can constitute substituting beef or chicken. I think it's great too. Yeah. So every switch you make signifies progress. Yeah. That's the idea of it. So you can, maybe you can Google like, oh, what are the hundred options I can do, right? To Mm. go green. Just have to pick something that you're more comfortable with to start off and then you can level up as time goes. Yeah. But the idea is as long as you're more aware and you're open to exploring, I think that's a great first step already.
0: Mm. 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 I think the next question is one that many people might have asked you before in that what is the difference that one person can make? Because, I mean, to be frank, these are all very individualistic actions and in the grander scheme of things, it's not unfair to question what kind of change I can make on a personal level.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've questioned myself that as mm. well. Um, because Zero Waste um, um, Singapore, right, we focus on educating the individual to achieve a collective action, Mm. to achieve collective action and systemic change but it is slow because it is always easier to work through the government or you know have corporates make changes but the idea is also that, okay maybe I'll talk about two points here, so one is that it is not like for example if we save a plastic uh, disposable cup we shouldn't think of it as saving that piece of plastic Mm. Uh, probably rather insignificant in the grand scheme of things Mm. But the idea that the act of you saying no or asking for options or or giving the feedback sends a signal to the company or business that their customers are ready for change. Mm. Companies and businesses and the government, at the end of the day, yes, they are huge entities, but they serve the individuals. They serve us. And if we keep quiet and just accept whatever they give, change will never happen because they thought that this is what we want. If we want change, we need to speak up. And every single time we say no to something that is excessive, it sends the signal to the company that, hey, you know, maybe it is time that I can charge for a plastic bag. Maybe it is time that I can remove excessive disposable items, which is actually not necessary and I won't get too much backlash. It's fine. And this, in the long run, will, will create bigger systemic changes. Mm. With the companies, with the government, and with various entities. yeah. Mm. And you know, for all of us, right? Yes, we are individuals, but we work, right? Mm. We are attached to our companies, our families. We are influencers in our own ways. So it doesn't matter what you do or what job you take. You can always find ways to uh, push the boundaries and look at how you can change your system that you control such that there will be a multiplier effect when your colleagues see you, when your friends see you, when your family sees you. Mm. So we should never, never underestimate what a single person can do. Mm. Greta Thunberg is also an individual, right?
0: It's true. <laughs> yeah. She's very inspiring. Yes. Very philosophical, like, the act of rejecting and then its effects from there. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested to know, so I you, think you, you sound like you are quite big on the idea that change starts from the bottom up.
1: Not really. Okay. No, I think it has to go both ways. Okay. Yes. So, we cannot just have change from top down and then the bottom is like not moving. Mm. Yeah. So, for example, if you want to close the loop on reducing resources and carbon emissions, it's always easier to have big targets and then, you know, companies setting in place, we have green buildings and things like that. Yes. But we can never ever close the loop unless all stakeholders are taking action or doing something together as a collective. Mm. So, it has to go both ways. You know, right now, companies are sort of setting uh, sustainability regulations and, you know, like green financing, green bonds and things like that. Banks are doing that. But they will tell me that, oh, actually, you know, our staff are not aware of anything. Mm. It is just maybe a few key people in the position making the changes, Mm. setting the system in place. But people still like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, what, What has it got to do with me? Or what do I have to do? You know? So, there is still a lot to do when it comes to uh, sort of creating that wave of change and action from all the stakeholders that eventually have to be involved in one way or another. Mm. So, it has to come in tandem. Mm.
0: How would you then foresee the two entities or the multiple entities kind of coming together?
1: Okay, so maybe an analogy I can provide is through recycling, right? Mm. The government provides some recycling bins at the bottom of our blocks, right? Yep. And they have like a national recycling programme.
0: Yep, the three R's.
1: But if no one uses it or are using it right, then it creates this huge contamination in the bins that affects the entire recycling potential and value of the materials uh, when they want to process it after that. What we have been trying to do is that we've been trying to get entities and you know stakeholders to understand the importance of explicit knowledge of recycling so if we don't uh, recognise the importance uh, of our efforts to sort our waste properly, to be considerate, then the national recycling effort definitely will be gone to waste as well. So another example would be the tray return. Mm. The government can encourage us in different ways to return our trays, but whether we do it at the end of the day, is still up to us, right? Because it's not a mandate. Yeah, But even for littering, we get so-called fines if we litter right but people still do it and the littering problem is getting worse Mm. so what is the issue at the end of the day yeah like how do people see the various nudges and uh, infrastructure and how do they interact with it in order to behave in a way that promotes a gracious society is a huge question Mm. and not everything can be mandated Mm. Yeah, so it still boils down to the people. So, for example, if we don't want to, if we want our MPs to do more meaningful work, like care for the underprivileged, or, you know, look at other areas um, of interest or concerns by the public, we don't want them to spend so much time thinking about getting complaints and having to deal with complaints about littering, about the question of cleaners. Yeah, if everybody just do their own part to return their own trace we don't need to spend so much resources, you know, hire cleaners to clean up after us. It is always easier to just do it by ourselves, you know, like just be responsible for our own waste, Mm. our own footprint, our own, you know, surroundings. It is way easier and it really saves a lot of resources. Mm. Uh, When it comes to mindset shifts and behavioural change, it is very intangible. Mm. But It holds the fabric of society together. Mm -hmm. And for us, right, we want to promote sustainability as values-based education as well because the same value can be applied across various aspects of life. Like sorting your ways is a form of responsibility. Mm. Like how you're responsible for your work and responsible for your family. Yeah, so the idea of all these values should be applied to our environment as well. Yeah, and it's vice versa.
0: Mm, I really like that. I, I I, have a question. I think with this whole sustainability movement, and you can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong or I'm, I'm making assumptions that are inaccurate, but it does seem like it's a movement that's very driven by the younger generation. And on the opposite, the older generation might be a little bit more resistant towards some kinds of change being implemented. So I think the question is, how do we kind of get the older generation to see where we're coming from and to encourage like the change in our households?
1: Mm. Okay, there are two types of sustainability. One is intentional sustainability. So I do something because I want to be sustainable. The other type is accidental sustainability, Mm. which is... I do something because I want to save money, for example. Mm. But it actually, I save resources. Yeah. I don't realise that it's, it's, it's not my priority. But I achieve the same outcome. Yeah. I realise that a lot of young the younger generation don't realise that actually, maybe our grandparents are actually very, very frugal. Mm. They don't waste food at all. They don't travel. They don't own as many electronic products as us. That's true. And that in itself is already probably even more sustainable than us. Yeah. Like, we shouldn't just think that, oh, saving single-use plastics equals to being very sustainable. No. If someone eats a lot of beef but brings their own everything, the footprint is still higher than someone who is a vegetarian. Not because of sustainability, but because maybe I just don't like to eat meat. So there's accidental sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we have to take all these into account as well, including accidental sustainability. Mm. So when we try to convince people to be sustainable, right? Sometimes we don't have to tell them that, hey, we are doing this because uh, we need to, you know, like reduce our carbon footprint. If that person is interested in saving money, we can say, hey, actually, if you uh buy in bulk, it's cheaper. Then it's like, oh yeah, good idea. But then it also achieves your Mm. intended, initial, like, sort of agenda, so-called, that you want the person to save packaging. Yeah. So then you say, hey by the way, actually, this is also helping to reduce packaging. Then the person will be like, oh, yeah, actually, oh, I don't mind. So that is how we can engage people in different ways according to what motivates them or drives them to Mm. take actions. Correct. Mm. Correct.
0: Mm. I really like that aspect on, you know, talking about or painting the older generation in that light because I do think sometimes we... We think that that is one way to go about doing sustainability. And then we fault them for not doing it our way, for instance. But you're 100% right in that Like pre-COVID, of course. I think everybody travels quite a bit. But the older generation is like, "Mm, I'm happy and content taking a bus, for instance. And the carbon footprint of travelling is clearly much worse than all the travelling that our older generation has done. So... That's really mm, interesting. I never yeah, correct. About it that
1: way. Or like, it, it, even though grandma loves her plastic bags, but when but grandma doesn't travel overseas, mm. so for us, we travel out one time. Maybe our footprint is already way higher than grandma's. Yeah. So there are different ways to look at
0: it. Yep. Yeah. I really like that. Yep. Um, I'm gonna run out conversation. Just wanna ask if you have any last like nuggets of wisdom or like advice for anybody who's tuning in on how to live sustainably.
1: I think the key thing is really to be mindful and not beat yourself up if you don't hit a certain level of so-called perfection or standard. Yeah, it is always a journey. And at the end of the day, we just have to know that as long as we do something, it is always better than doing nothing at all. Yeah. And the fact that it's always a journey, it is a work in progress. Yeah. It is always better to work as a collective because any act... Of showing that you are ready for change, paves the way for longer-term policy change and regulations, which which is essentially systemic
0: change. Thank you. That was Thank very you. insightful. Thank you. I will thanks thanks now me. bring my own cup. When I want to have coffee. <laughs> thanks a lot, Helene. This show was brought to you by Utopia. This project showcases everyday Singaporeans that have made an impact in our society. Have someone in mind. Nominate that person at utopia.sg forward slash impact